Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Never before in the history of sports podcasts have two men brought you opinion and analysis like these two. They speak for a city that's desperate for wins and titles, not whining and travesty. You might not agree with what they have to say, but you'll defend their right to say it. Sports fans across the world, from Chicago, Illinois, this is The Mac and Reed Show. Good evening. Hello, everybody. Welcome into another edition of the Mac and Reed show right here on the Barroom Network. We are live on YouTube. If you're watching along, feel free to chime in and chat with us. I know the Barflies will be talking to us shortly because we have a lot to get to. Remember to follow us on social media. Follow me at the Real Evan Mac. Follow Ross at Ross Reed. And don't forget to like, subscribe, tell a friend or two. The audio-only versions are on Spotify and on iTunes. If you're into that sort of thing, and as I mentioned, a lot to get to on the podcast today. The Combine is in the books. The fat men have lifted the weights. The more agile uh, skill position players have run and done the cone drills and whatnot, and all of it's uh, done for better or for worse. There were a couple injuries. It's always tough to watch for those young guys because there's a lot hinging on uh, their performance. So we'll dive into our... um, sort of takeaways from that, and especially from a Bears point of view, talking about the quarterbacks, talk about free agency at length, a couple of new quarterbacks have, uh, or a couple of quarterbacks have found their homes for the foreseeable future, and one certain quarterback <laughs> in the North may be moving, maybe not, we'll see, uh, and March Madness is almost here, we'll talk a bit about that, uh, and then Oscars predictions from Ross, because I think he's seen most of the movies at this point. How many at, Ross? Uh, eight. Two to go. Oh yeah. Fablemans and All Quiet on the Western Front. Oh, well, you've gone into the meat of it, I feel like. That's that's pretty well. Although the Fablemans I hear is very good. That's, I'm saving that for the last, last day. That's the uh, that's the one I'm saving for like right before the Oscars. Nice. Well, look at you. You got that going. And then on the anniversary of Biggie's death, we got our top five Biggie songs to cap off the show. It's... A packed one. How are you, sir? You feeling good? Feeling great. Feeling good. We are in uh, the the head of March here. There's no snow on the ground yet. Hopefully, we don't get any more snow. I'm I'm, I'm over it. I'm ready for for warmer weather to come. We didn't even get that much snow. We we're good. We're I gonna know. coast we right That's into that. That, groundhog, snow, right? that groundhog was drunk. You know, he yeah. didn't know that the, the, it was an early sort of spring dreary shit that we deal with here in our bipolar weather. But uh, to begin, let's get into it, Ross. And I know that you're certainly still, you know, hammering this topic for good reason because now it's inching closer to the start of free agency, which will be starting uh, on the 13th on Monday, this coming Monday. So. There should be a lot of movement to start for a lot of teams, not only the Chicago Bears, but a question you wanted to pose to to uh, all our viewers and listeners certainly is, uh, you know, will the Bears trade that pick before Sunday? And I'm still of the mindset that it's in the works, and Ryan Poles has gotten a ton of calls, I'm sure, most notably, I'm sure, from Texans and from 
Colts and those likes uh, in the top 10. Maybe there's some outsiders trying to make a run at it, but it certainly looks like Houston um, could absolutely make that most compelling offer to Ryan Poles and company to try and swap picks and, and for the Bears to give up that number one pick. I still say no. I still don't think at the start of free agency it happens. I think it does happen down the road. It just makes too much sense. I know a scenario you talked about, Ross, um, someone painted on and you were chiming in on Twitter about if if the Bears were to drop to even four and three court, top three quarterbacks go back to back to back, Will Anderson falls into your lap and you still get you know a later first round pick or two second round picks. That's a great scenario still. That's fantastic. You can still draft your your best edge rusher or whoever you think is the best on Ryan Poles and, and Matt Aberflus's board. And you can draft really confidently because the Bears feels like they'll have double digits by the end of this, um, by this by the uh, time of the draft starting, I would think. So I, I say no. Has, has your opinion shifted at all, Ross, or what do you think? I, you know, I still think that we get something here before the uh, the start of free agency on Sunday. I, I think that, you know, there's a possibility that the Bears trade down twice. But I, I, I think that, you know, I'm still looking at Houston and I'm looking at them. And I'm saying, listen, I, I still think they really covet Bryce Young. Um, and I think that they're going to need to be aggressive and secure that number one spot before somebody else does, which means that you're going to have to pull the trigger on this sooner than later before the Colts do it or the uh, or or the Panthers do it. I think those are the two teams I'm looking at right now are, are the Colts and the Panthers as potential other move-up spots. And, um, you know, we saw a couple of years ago, usually these trades happen about the third week in March, but I think the, the, the Texans, I'm looking at them, they need to secure Bryce Young sooner than later. And, and, and it shouldn't cost you that much to go from two to one. Now, it might cost you this year's 12th overall pick, but in my opinion, that's okay. That's a small price to pay. I know it's another first-round pick. I say that, you know, kind of, you know, within reason. But, you know, that's a small price to pay for you locking in your quarterback of the future and knowing that you can feel good about that going into free agency with a quarterback of the future. So you don't have to fucking sit down on Sunday and meet with Jimmy Garoppolo and, and Jameis Winston and some of these other guys. Right, that are, risk guys. But yeah, absolutely. It's like, 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 just go ahead and do it. Just go two and 12, go get, you know, go get Bryce young and then just kind of relax and, and go into the draft knowing that you got your guy and, and you can go into free agency and fill some holes. So I think the longer that the Texans wait, the more that the Colts and the Panthers get involved, which I still think they get something done. Before Sunday, and I think there's a strong possibility that the Bears make another trade. Um, you know, if, if it's the Colts, I think they would trade out of four. Um, I'm sorry, if it's the Texans, I think that they would trade out of two to either right. four or nine. So I think, but I think that trade will come closer uh, to the draft. So, you know, obviously if tomorrow's Friday, tomorrow will be a perfect day to make this trade. As we all know, free agency starts this Sunday. Um, so if something were to happen, you would think that it would happen between uh, tonight, it could happen while we're recording right now. It'd be awesome. Um, yeah. And also, you know, early Sunday morning. Yeah, no question. There's so many possibilities out there as we've talked about at length over these past several weeks. And one of the mocks I was looking at was this, this mock trade from the bears and, and the Colts happening to get the Colts in that position to pick number one overall. And then Houston moves up to number two and then Carolina pick three. And the Bears picking four, I still really wouldn't be mad about that because the Bears could still, you know, if they're confident Will Anderson's skills, and, and they probably still need to work him out and do their due diligence in, in looking at all the prospects. But if they know they need a game record, and, and again, 
maybe there's something in free agency that could throw a wrench into it too. Maybe, you know, Frank Clark, we're going to talk in a bit about um, the free agent prospects that are out there, but Frank Clark's a name that's been floating out there and there's some edge rushers that could come to the bears. But if I'm the bears, there's certainly a lot to be said about, you know, we were talking about Jalen Carter dropping off the board completely. If Will Anderson is that number one guy overall, and arguably, you know, there's, three, four top tier quarterbacks, but still the number one overall prospect is Will Anderson. Why wouldn't you go and try and get this guy with the Alabama pedigree? And he was a game record just as much as Carter was. So it's curious (coughs) to see how it will shake out after the combine. Did anything you see, and let's talk about the quarterbacks because it's important to note, uh, you know, how, how heavy these, these other teams are into it that we've mentioned as far as the Panthers, the Colts, um, and the Texans, because it doesn't seem like we saw that Daniel Jones and Derek Carr have been signed now, but we haven't seen Lamar Jackson sign. I think the money scares people more away than his mm-hmm. skill set. And I, mm-hmm. I think that's why that they were that the um, Ravens put that uh, non-exclusive franchise tag on it, so to speak. But after the combine, you know, everybody was really impressed with um, Anthony Richardson stealing the um, spotlight uh, for a lot of the quarterbacks with his athleticism. He, he was obviously top quarterbacks from the 40 perspective and, and vertical and all that, but that doesn't do a lot. He can bomb it too. Um, but I don't think it, it brought him far enough to surpass a Bryce young who, by the way, Ross was, was 200 pounds. Look at that mm-hmm. by the week. Um, and now he's back to 185 by, by Monday, I'm sure. <laughs> But exactly all the water weight, <laughs> all that water weight is gone. But it, it was more so to me too. And looking at the the tape and everything, it's it's one A one B between uh, Bryce Young and CJ Stroud. So did anything stand out to you between those uh, three quarterbacks? And and I, I can't forget Will Levis as well, yep. um, the fourth the fourth guy out there who could probably go in the top ten as well. But what was the movement looking like to you? I, I mean, the movement was, I, I think the top two guys solidified that they're the top two picks in the draft. So yeah. I, I think, you know, we all know right now, you can probably put your rent mortgage on it. Bryce Young and CJ Stroud are going to go number one and number two in the draft. That That is a given that is going to happen. Now, the draft really starts at the third overall pick. And I think that, um, I think the young man, you know, Richardson from from Florida really, really, you know, shocked some people and really opened some eyes. And, you know, he is testing, and I put testing on there. He tested in the same, you know, skill set and in, in the same um, metrics that Cam Newton did coming out of Auburn. Now, he did not look like Cam Newton, Cam, Cam Newton, excuse me, uh, in Florida, like Cam Newton did at Auburn. Cam Newton that one year at Auburn was one of the most impressive seasons I've ever seen in my life uh, in route to that national championship win. So you know, obviously Anthony Richardson struggled a little bit more, but we do know in this league, people love the players that test through the roof. And, and if you look at Anthony Richardson, he could be that diamond in the rough. He could be that guy that if you were able to harness all of that ability you could have an explosive superstar in your hands and we just you just mentioned a guy like lamar jackson even though you know i i question to you know what's really going on with that lamar jackson situation um you look at how many teams passed on him because they were worried and they were scared about you know can he throw can he do this can he do that but the metrics and the talent and the athletic ability just was able to you know surpass everything and the guy actually won the mvp 
every time he's been on the football field, the Ravens are at least a playoff contender, you know, if not close to a Super Bowl contender. And that's all on the on the shoulders of Lamar Jackson. So now you look at Anthony Richardson. And I think a lot of teams don't want to make that kind of mistake that they made with Lamar Jackson, with Josh Allen, with Justin Fields, right? And this is a new league, and the athletic ability of these kids are, are really starting to, to go up there. Even look at Jalen Hurts, who went in the second round with the Eagles, and they were able to put an infrastructure around him. And he looked like an MVP candidate all year, and he had three touchdowns, three rushing touchdowns in the Super Bowl. I mean, he's going to he's gonna sign a $45 million a year contract coming up. So I think Anthony Richardson, somebody's going to talk themselves into it, and somebody's going to talk themselves into it really, really high in this draft. And uh, I, I do think that, you know, it, it, there's, it, there's been a growing trend this week on Twitter with a lot of people that pay attention to this and hear a lot of things that quarterbacks will go one, two, three in the draft. And uh, I, as it stands right now, I wholeheartedly agree with that. I, I do think the Bears will be out of that first round, that first overall pick sooner than later. Um, I think mm-hmm. that if they are at two, they're getting out of that second overall pick as well. Because this is a league that is always just quarterback starved. I mean, look around. Somebody is giving Derek Carr fucking $150 million guaranteed, right? Yeah. And, and and the Jets are flying halfway across the country to talk to Aaron Rodgers, who just, as my I look at my Twitter right now, he just signed up for to, to be a speaker at a huge psychedelic science convention in June. <laughs> what the fuck? Fuck, I like, but like that's where desperation gets you. Yeah. And so you can't right. tell me that some of these teams aren't willing to jump up there and go get uh, Anthony Richardson. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Sure. We see it every year. Still very much a quarterback-driven league, as you said, Ross. So those three guys could potentially be franchise changers, you would think. Uh, and, you know, as often as it hits, it, it certainly misses. And you know it's not a quick fix. And there's that side of the coin. And then, again, Lamar Jackson, uh, he's undoubtedly the best free agent out there. Um, with that non-exclusive tag, he stands to make $32 million. But these other teams that were supposedly great fits, like Atlanta and the Panthers, all said, no, we're good. Like, we're not – you're trying to find that happy medium where you're not going to pay a guy that type of number one quarterback money that will win you games – you're trying to breed that talent and, and find that that uh, middle ground where you can have cap space and build the roster around you. Like you said, Derek Carr uh, now, you know, getting up there in age, he's 31. He, he goes to the Saints and maybe there's something to be said for a fresh start. But with these going back to, you know, the movement with these three quarterbacks, you look at their pedigree and there's three big time winners there in, in tougher conferences in college football. They're all very young for sure. Um, and, and young, you know, the only knocks are really his physicality, but we've seen at Alabama, he was surrounded by talent and we've seen the guys who preceded him and, and Tua, um, and Jalen hurts most recently, you know, when we lead the Eagles to the Super Bowl, we've seen that this Nick Saban knows how to get quarterbacks, uh, into his system. And they're not just system quarterbacks. They're, they're elite quarterbacks, CJ Stroud. Great. Will, uh, Anthony Richardson really, uh, jumps out as far as physicality. Um, and he, he had those those glimpses of greatness at Florida. So it'll be really curious to see. But going back to the Bears, there's obviously that that um, perspective where they could just stay at number one, but it would have to be some terrible trade offers, you would think. And I, I just really don't see it. Um, but it looks like they could easily fall back to, again, as far as four, 
and still get the, the guy who said in his own word, words he wants to model his game after a Khalil Mack type of guy who had some success with the Bears. So they, they got to get a defensive player. Um, it's just a question of where the Bears uh, pick will fall at that point. It is. And, you know, this is where, you know, we have no clue what, you know, Ryan Poles' big board is looking at is looking like right now, right? I imagine right now Will Anderson is sitting at the top of his big board, but how much does he value a, a guy like like Jackson Smith and Nigma, you know, coming from Ohio State and appeasing his quarterback who is still on a rookie deal, right? And, and maybe Poles, as we kind of transition a little bit here into free agency that starts on Sunday, maybe Poles says, I got some cash to spend, man, and I don't mind spending it on Tremaine Edwin, Tremaine Edmonds or 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 yeah. you know Hargrave from from Philly or CJ you know Gardner Johnson from Philadelphia or some of these top level defensive guys I don't mind putting the cash towards that defense and beefing that up tomorrow and then maybe I jump back to number ninth overall and I trade with the Panthers and I take Jackson Smith and Nigma and I start loading up on offense on that side of the ball because as we sit today we talked about this until we're blue in the face the Bears don't have a number one wide receiver. They, they just don't have one right now on their roster. They got a number, they got a bunch of number twos, they got a bunch of number threes, they got some number fours. They just don't have a number one. And I think that if Justin is is if, if you really like Jackson, he's got number one, you know, potential. Um, I, you know, a lot of people are comparing him to um, you know, a higher version of maybe like a Tyler Lockett or a, a Amron St. Brown or something like that. Well, Amron St. Brown is absolutely terrific uh for for the Lions then you bring them in and and you you appease your quarterback you like you kind of do what the Bengals did which is the Bengals brought in uh joe burrow's best friend right from his college team and then also you pair two guys on a rookie deal and then you say look we can beef up everything else that we can we can spend money everything else and so now if the bears would have put outstanding rookie wide receiver with uh outstanding quarterback on both rookie deals that's an option we just don't know what his big board looks like but I think that we're going to find out a lot about the direction polls wants to do by Sunday, because we're going to see where he wants to spend the money at. And we're going to see if this pick has been traded, which, you know, I've already said, uh, I've, I've been on record. I think that they do move this trade. Uh, I do think they, they do at least one trade within the next couple of days. But if I was a betting man going into Sunday, I think they're going to put some money on that offensive line. They're going to sign at least a right tackle or a left tackle. We can talk about McGlinchey versus Orlando Brown. But I think you're going to see a lot of defensive players coming in and taking some cash from the Chicago Bears on Sunday. Look at that. So that is a good transition into free agency. And and as we talked about, we saw that Daniel Jones went and got signed uh, for four years, $160 about what he wanted. And uh, Derek Carr on his way to New Orleans, probably as we speak, getting over there. But what do the Bears need? And, and feel free to chime in in the chat. If you're watching live on YouTube with us or interact with us on Twitter, for sure, you can tweet at Barroom Network or at myself or Ross. Um, you know, as, as we talked about, the, the guys who are out there that the, the Bears could really use are Javon Hargrave or Deron Payne, who look pretty out of reach. Um, and I think don't completely fit into the money part of the aspect that we're talking about with polls. So and, and really what you're banking on now, even though you want game records on the defensive side of the football, you need protection for Justin Fields as much as you need to pave running lanes for, for his running backs and, and give him time in the pocket because he was scrambling for his life all of last year, for sure. And 
he needs a guy, uh, whether it be a right tackle or left tackle, that's going to be there to protect him for the years to come. So you mentioned a couple names in, you know, Mike McGlinchey, um, Orlando Brown has been floated out there. Uh, I know that from Atlanta, you talk about Caleb McGarry as, as kind of a big upside guy. Mm-hmm. Is there a dude, and, and we got to remember too, as far as running backs are concerned, Saquon Dream is dead. He got franchised by the Giants for at least one more year. And we know that David Montgomery is going to be a free agent. So it really puts a, a, a puts the running back corpse in a bind too. I'm curious what your thoughts are, first of all, on the offensive line and then running back, Ross. Yeah, I think the Bears are absolutely going to give somebody in the in the area of seventeen to twenty million dollars a year on Sunday to to bolster that offensive line. I I, I think the plan going into this Sunday and in, in free agency is protect the quarterback and hit the quarterback, and I think they're going to attack both of those things in free agency. So you kind of I think you know by Sunday you're going to hear one of three names. Uh, be signed for the Chicago Bears. It's either going to be Mike McGlinchey, offensive tackle for the San Francisco 49ers, as you see at the bottom of the screen here. Uh, he's only 28 years old, or I think the Bears could really throw some money at Orlando Brown. And I think that Orlando Brown has been a solid left tackle in the league, but I think he's been a much better right tackle. Ryan Poles knows that, obviously, coming from that Kansas City situation and uh, and also seeing Brown when he was with the uh, with the Ravens before, it wouldn't be, be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if he gave if they gave Brown a ton of money, but then say, hey, you know what? I need you to play on the right side, please, and bolster that right side. And you've got Braxton Jones on the left, Orlando Brown on the on the right, and then don't sleep on um, on Jawan Taylor as well from the uh, from the Jacksonville Jaguars. You know the Jaguars putting a lot of money into others, you know, places, they're probably going to have to let him walk. And I think that Juwan Taylor is a, is a really, um, is an under the radar guy that I think the bears could bring in as well. He's, he's been inconsistent, but he has been really good in his career against somebody like the, the, the best edge rushers, edge rushers, especially the, the best edge rushers in the division. Um, and so I think that he's going to, uh, he's going to get, so he's going to be a good guy to, to sign. I think one of those three guys is going to sign very, very early on Sunday when, when free agency kicks off for the Bears. And I think they're going to look to defense and really try and bolster that front seven, especially they need a nose tackle really bad, right? And, and I think that they're going to not rely on the draft to find their first edge rusher. I think they'll bring in a mid-level guy, look for like a Yannick Ngakwe, uh, who's also a free agent from the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars to maybe get signed as well. Look at that. And Cliff uh, basically named every position besides quarterback as far as the the needs (laughs) for the Bears in the chat. They do have a lot of holes. I mean, you bring up a good point, Cliff. Uh, As far as, you know, Frank Clark, I I mentioned um, his name's been floated around and and a lot of folks around the league say the Chiefs have cut ties with him, so the Bears should pursue him. But I think there's a lot to be said with Frank Clark's production, you you kind of just feels like it's another Robert Quinn situation to me, right. where it's just a rental guy and it doesn't fit in the long term, right? Right, agree. And I also don't think that again we we go back to the uh, the the integrity that the Bears have with Virginia Virginia McCaskey and the McCaskey family. We talked about last week with the Murray McDonald situation, and the Tank John the Tank Johnson situation from years ago and stuff like that. Remember Frank Clark, I mean, he's passed removed from this, but he's got two 
separate gun charges on his record. And he's, he's got some really sketchy things in his background. And uh, we know in the past, any read in, in Kansas, Chiefs, Kansas City Chiefs don't mind those kind of things. But I think the Chicago Bears are very different in that regard. And I just don't think also Frank Taylor has a lot left in the tank that, you know, for, for you to justify bringing him in. I think he takes a lot of plays off. Um, I, I think he's been inconsistent with, with the Chiefs. And uh, I, I just don't think when you couple all those things together, he's going to be a fit for the Bears. I think the Bears will uh, will look to more towards you know some guys like again like uh, like I would I would put Marcus Davenport in my opinion higher on the Bears uh, you know list over Frank Clark. They're very similar football players to me. And then um, you know I, I think that they're going to find that like I said, defensive tackle whether it's uh, whether it's a uh, uh, young man from from the Eagles uh, Hargrave. Or maybe it's Jones from the Broncos, and I think that they might go out there and look for another linebacker. Uh, Tremaine Edmonds was a guy that I always thought the Bears would draft years ago, and then he ended up going to uh, to the Buffalo Bills, but now he's a free agent again. He's a guy that is is very riskily could be on the Bears, uh, you know, board there to get in the in inside to outside linebacker to pair with Jack Sanborn. Yeah, curious to to see how that shakes out because. Um... You know, as far as defensive, you know, an edge rusher, defensive end is concerned, uh, the youth is there, and you know who the, the Bears have their eye on as far as Will Anderson, at least how, how we feel about that. Um, as far as the offense is concerned, we talked about the offensive line candidates. You know, Kadarius, uh, not Kadarius, Tony, McCole Hardman, the other guy from the Chiefs, yeah. his name was was floated out there. He had the little eye emojis, you know, talking about yeah. Justin Fields. And, you know, he's 24, and he has – his season got shortened by injuries, but when he was out there, he was a great weapon for for Pat Mahomes, and he's certainly not a number one. He's kind of another gadget guy, speedster, um, and if you call the right plays, perhaps he could be that guy who could be, um, I don't know, you compare to maybe a Deshaun Jackson type, something like that. Mm -hmm. does, does he move the meter for you any, anywhere, any bit, or do you see, I don't know, an Adam Thielen or another guy jumping out of you that he's a newer free agent? Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of I tweeted that earlier today and, and, and had a couple of people in my mentions and stuff like that. I, I, I don't think Hardiman is a fit for me personally, just because you kind of hit it on the head. This guy is a fringe third, fourth you know, receiver on the depth chart. Remember, the Chiefs just won the Super Bowl and they did it, quite frankly, without him. He wasn't really uh, much of a factor for them all year, definitely not in the playoffs. And, and this was after he had a tremendous opportunity to step up and, and kind of take over. Uh, a lot for for when Tyreek Hill left, and he, he just didn't do anything. And I look at the Bears' depth chart for wide receiver, and I already see a lot of guys that are fringe three and fours. We talked about this before. I mean, obviously, you've got Darnell Mooney. He's your best guy right now. He's got to stay on the football field. You traded for Chase Claypool. That's going to be your, your second guy. And then after that, it's just a plethora of, of shit. I mean, it's Equinamia St. Brown. It's in Keel Harry. You got Dante Pettis or Brian Pringle. But then I look at the other guy, and you have Bayless Jones, right? And I look at Jones, and you give him another year in this offense. He flashed a little bit towards the end of the year. And for my money, and it's not my money, obviously, um, but I would rather just give Jones that opportunity to do the things that Hardman would do. And I, because I just, at 24 years old, I don't know what Hardman's going to want financially, but he's probably going to want more than a one-year deal, and he's probably going to want three or four years or something like that. He's probably going to want, you know, seven, eight million dollars a year or something like that. That just doesn't do anything for me uh, over just giving those snaps to, to Velus Jones. I want the Bears, 
especially at the wide receiver position, to start swinging bigger than what we have done in the past, which is the Pringles of the world and the ASBs of the world. And you even go back to like Taylor Gabriel and some of these like fringe three or four guys. I think if you're going to address this in the free agency, go a little bit bigger, go for like a Jacoby Myers, who I think is a really valuable, you know, big body weapon coming out of uh, New England. Go for a guy like that. And, and, and then mm-hmm. also, you know, if you're trading down, we talked about Jackson Smith and Enigma, right? I, I even like a guy like if you're able to get a, a later, you know, first round or, or pick up another second round pick. I love a guy like Zay Flowers out of Boston College. We talked about him before. I want them to swing a little bit bigger on these wide receivers and stop just like trying to stockpile threes and fours. We, we've seen that for like 10, 15 years now. When are we going to get a true number one wide receiver on this team? Or in, in you know, and I think Justin needs it. Kenny's absolutely right. Stop collecting threes and fours. We don't need to do that anymore. And it's so tough, as, as Cliff points out, it's so tough to get this wide receiver one, whether it be through the draft or through free agency. A mm-hmm. lot of times you see in free agency that, that these guys just fizzle out. Uh, you wonder if in Jigma and, and between Jigma and Addison um, and Quentin Johnson, Quentin Johnson might be th- that best prospect uh, out of those three, but in Jigbo, you know, has that, that passed with Justin Fields um, and he might be that consensus number one overall. It'd be great to see them potentially get that, but you, you to get multiple picks in the first round, I don't know what it would take. Um, and it's going to be a lot clearer for the bears, obviously be co- coming Sunday to Monday what they'll be what their plan is uh we can only hypothesize right now and, and see what's out there let's switch focus to uh free agency and, and and we scratched the surface on it but what's crazy is this lamar jackson situation and how he got the non-exclusive franchise tag and almost simultaneously it felt that all these teams dropped out for whatever reason to not be in the running for lamar jackson so lamar jackson still has a nice payday getting, you know, a little over 30 million to play for the Ravens, but it seems pretty clear that he wants out. Um, you know, he's had his complaints with, with management and he had been threatening all season that he might, he wasn't going to sit out, but he was going to be gone by the end of the season. So it's really curious if teams don't see what, uh, I don't know what he sees in himself. And he's proven, as you mentioned, Ross, that, you know, out of Louisville that teams were ready to convert him to wide receiver, convert him to running back, me be more of a, a gadget guy, like um, a kid from Ohio state. I'm forgetting who was converted from quarterback, but you know, just turn into just a skill position player when clearly he can throw and he's proven it and putting side by stats between him and a Daniel Jones type what's going on with Lamar. Do you think he goes, do you think any team really wants to, to swing for him or what's, what's the future for him? Yeah, I mean, I it's it's disheartening to see it, but I think for Lamar, you've got two different things going on right now. I think the the Cleveland Browns really jacked up the quarterback market when they decided to give a um a a, a man that was accused of over 30 sexual assaults and also has had, I think a lot of people forget this point, has had two torn ACLs in his lifetime, a a fully guaranteed contract. And I, and I think when you do that, you really jack up the quarterback market right and you jack it up specifically for a guy like lamar jackson who theoretically has been a more successful quarterback than deshaun watson right lamar has been on the field lamar has a mvp trophy and has been to the playoffs multiple times and stuff like that and and so on one hand here's lamar jackson and he's asking for deshaun watson money 
because he thinks he deserves it. And he kind of does. If Watson got it, then Lamar should get it as well. But on the other side, you have all the owners in the league saying, we're not going down this road. We're not putting $250 million in escrow just to pay one player. We have to put an end to this. The, the Browns were absolute idiots to do that, but we're not going to set this precedent going forward. And the buck has to stop here. We have to stop it right away. The other part of it is Lamar Jackson, as we also know, does not have an agent. And when you don't have an agent, I've always said this, when you just don't have a professional in the room speaking for you on anything, I don't care what it is. I don't care if you're buying a house. I don't care if you're you know, getting a divorce, whatever. If you don't have an expert or a professional in the room speaking for you, then people are not going to take you seriously. And, and those, those negotiations just don't, they, they, they're not the same. And I think that's what we're seeing right now with Lamar Jackson is he doesn't have an expert in the room. So we don't know what's going on. I've heard some rumblings that, that he was offered a little bit more than the Kyler Murray guaranteed deal. He turned that down. Um, I, if he did, I think that's a mistake on his part because I don't think anybody's yeah. getting that Deshaun Watson money ever again. But also, he doesn't have a Drew Rosenhaus or somebody like that in his corner to do damage control, right? Like, like we saw Drew Rosenhaus and what he's really good at last week kind of get, you know, uh, you know, get Javon Carter back to the draft last week, uh, you know, and, 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 you know, get him down to Athens, handle that business, get him back to the combine and, and, and kind of do that. Kind of, you need an agent to help you do these kind of things. And I think this is where Lamar Jackson is really getting hurt right now. Do I think it's collusion? I, I can't go there yet. I don't have enough evidence to go there yet. I think that we need to see what happens with Joe Burrow. And I think we need to see what happens with Justin Herbert before we can really decide on what's happening with Lamar Jackson, because we need to see those two contracts and those two contracts are going to get dished out within the next two or three months. If they are less than Deshaun Watson, then we know Lamar overplayed his hand a little bit. If it's more than Deshaun Watson, then I think Lamar has a little bit more of a gripe. Yeah, you brought up the Deshaun Watson situation and, and that sort of money just com completely tilted the market. And we're seeing that um, a guy like Daniel Jones is, is slated to make more than Pat Mahomes. And, you know, it's it's pretty skewed. And, and at a certain point, the owners are going to, to say and, and GMs that we can't afford this this outlandish price. We know that the quarterbacks are the number one reason that we could potentially get to a Super Bowl and, and they are few and far between, but man, like what, what does it cost at this point? Literally. Um, and with Lamar Jackson is, is performance is spoken for itself, but you, you thought that this last season was that one where he was playing for a big contract and the Ravens did have that upper hand, not only because he didn't have an agent in the room with them, but because, uh, you know, he didn't play the full season. He has the injury bug. He had to really ball out, go for well over 3000 yards and, and, play his ass off and you know he, he didn't play like he wanted to be the franchise quarterback particularly he looked like he really could potentially he thought go out into free agency and mm -hmm. and get his bag but you know the the scenario now is he's going to go out with the ravens and and potentially earn, earn a big contract or he won't and he'll, he'll walk away and maybe he'll get a short-term deal and then he'll be sort of a journeyman but it's quite a fall from grace when you you know you remember 2019 when he came out and threw you know over 35 touchdowns and and had one of those best passer ratings and and proved that he could pass as well as he could run um, now I'm with you on the collusion aspect. It's not that so much as just the market has really ruined it for him going into this year.
Now with the Daniel Jones situation, we knew that he was going to get that money. There was nowhere for the Giants to turn. It, it seems like probably the best case scenario when he was playing with some with, with terrible coaching, with terrible line around him, with terrible talent around him, and now Dable turn that around and he could be that dude uh, with some protection weapons around him. Uh, it certainly seems better than Derek Carr. I'm not. I'm still not sure what to make of that. I know that they have a young, great wide receiver in Chris Olave. Um, but, it, but it's quite a jump with, with Derek Carr. And again, when he's, he's on the wrong side of 30, uh, I guess I'm taking the Daniel Jones is the better extension and better signing at this point. Yeah, it's I mean, it, both are very risky, right? Both are two guys where I, I say that you are you, you have to win um, it, it, not in spite of them, but you, you're not going to win games or you're not going to win Super Bowls or anything like that because of them. You're, you're winning just, you know, with them being there, right? None of these two guys are really going to take over a football game and, uh, and, 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 and you know, control a, a playoff game or anything like that. That's just Jones not feels happen. like a game manager, right? Yeah, exactly. And I like Derek Carr a lot. I think he's been a very good quarterback in this league, but he's, he's a serviceable guy at best. He's in that, he's in that Jimmy Garoppolo tier for me, right? And, and Daniel Jones, you almost feel like Brian Dable did too good of a job coaching last year and propped up a guy who – I don't think it's very good, but now he he earned that contract. And now I think the Giants are are kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place a little bit. I if I were them, I would take a flyer on a quarterback in the in the late rounds here, just in case. Just just in case. No, there's no there's no reason why you can't find your own Brock Purdy or something like that in, in this uh in this draft coming up, just in case you need it. You know, even go back to the Lamar thing. If I was a if I was a fan of like the Falcons or the Commanders. And I hear them within five minutes of this news being like, nope, we're not interested. We're out. Like, you mean to tell me you want to stick with Desmond Ritter and Sam Howe this year? And, and I'm supposed to accept that as a fan when we can have Lamar Jackson? I'd be furious. I'd be furious about, like, can you imagine Lamar Jackson with the Falcons this year? Like, with that, you know, with those receivers that they have and Kyle Pitts and, so, and, and Arthur Smith calling the plays? It'd be awesome. I don't understand why they're not a, a part of this. They need a quarterback. Desmond Ritter is, can't be your quarterback for the future. And the same thing with the Commanders. The Commanders are about to go for sale right now, obviously, as, uh, you know, as Dan Snyder is going to give up that team kicking and screaming. But, Ron Rivera needs to save his job. A lot of people in that city need to save their job. And what better way than to get uh, Lamar Jackson from Baltimore to, to Washington? That is like a 40-minute drive. You can't tell me that a lot of people in that area already have a relationship with Lamar Jackson will love him in Washington. So I think those two franchises in particular are really making a, a huge mistake by not getting in on this Lamar Jackson sweepstakes. Because if I was a Falcons or a Commanders uh, GM, I'm calling them tomorrow and be like, what do you want for Lamar? You need two first? Fine. Lamar, do you want $200 million guaranteed? Here it is. Come save my franchise, please, because right now we are in quarterback hell with uh, Desmond Ritter and Sam Howell. And we've, we've been looking on Twitter all day and heard about the meeting before Ross broke the news of his psychedelic conference appearance <laughs> with Aaron Rodgers. But uh, does he become a Jet? Do, do we think it happens by the end of the week or something yeah. Something gives here? I think it definitely happens by yeah. by probably tomorrow-ish. Listen, the Packers are beyond done. They've told everybody and their mother they're beyond done. They'll go on PBS tomorrow and, and interrupt Barney or something and let them know that they're trying to get rid of Aaron Rodgers. I think Aaron Rodgers just is flat out out of options, right? Everybody else has told him that they don't want him. The Raiders have said that they don't want him. I think that um, that would be a good – football situation for him 
They remember they've got uh, as, as many first round picks as any other team in the league on their roster right now. They have the reigning offensive rookie of the year. They also have the reigning defensive rookie of the year. Uh, they have his, uh, you know, his, his old uh, buddy, Nathaniel Hackett, there to call plays. Robert Salah will be hands off. He'll let Aaron Rodgers do what the hell he wants to do. You can always find some weird shit in New York City because it's New York City. And uh, I, I just think that he needs to be a Jet. I think that's it. And, and you know, we're going to see him. Uh, you know, it, it's funny how much he's basically mirroring Brett Favre at the end here, the guy that he 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 grew up hating in, in his NFL career. But he's going to follow Brett Favre's footsteps. And I fully expect for him to be a, a Jet by the, uh, by the end of this week. Oh, boy. I, I think with the perspective Bears fans are, are just saying, just get out of town. However it happens that we've seen enough of, of Aaron Rodgers leading uh, the Bears to these losses and, and doing the belt and I own you and all of this business. It's been very tough to watch for sure. It, it seems like too much hustle and bustle in New York for Aaron and his weird ways and, and going to hide in caves and, and do always, ayahuasca wherever he wants. You don't want to do ayahuasca in New York. There's always New Jersey. Yeah, he'll he'll, he'll get a place on Long Island. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Because after all, the Jets do not play in fucking New York City. So do not. They play right out there. Maybe a little Connecticut action. More upstate New York type of guy. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, it has to get done. He's out of options. And I I think, you know, the Packers, they, this is what happens when you, when you bend over and you, and you give your franchise to a guy that doesn't really, give a shit about you is now they're probably going to trade, you know, a future hall of famer for probably a second round pick. They're not even going to get a first round pick back and they're going to ca- carry a massive cap hit of $45 million a year. And it's really going to cripple them this year. And for the years going forward, you better hope Jordan loves good. Cause if he's not, this is going to set you back about 10 years as a franchise. Yikes. Well, we talk football at length, the madness is, well, it's, it's the pre-madness with the Big Ten tourney going on at the United Center, just uh, yeah. pretty close by to us right now. So the seating is going to be figured out in Selection Sunday, and we haven't talked a ton about the um, the madness and, and the NCAA tournament and, and the favorites, but Kansas certainly looks like one of them, and they, they look like they might be able to re- repeat, and they've got a great squad. Houston is number one overall. they got two losses, but... They're on a, in a suspect conference. UCLA looks like they could make a run. Alabama, even though they have that bit of a cloud over them with the whole Brandon Miller saga getting the gun to Darius Miles, who's facing those murder charges, although Miller has cooperated, though, so it looks like Alabama should still be able to make a run with him. He's a lottery pick, so, um, yeah, Alabama-Purdue at the top of, of the, the crop for the Big Ten. We'll see if they can claim a Big Ten crown this weekend. Marquette and there's Texas and some other outliers out there. Have you been getting into it? Will you watch this weekend? I've been watching a little bit. I'm getting into it a little bit. I, I'd be uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't say because of the Big Ten tournament here, which is down the street from both of us. Um, shout out to the workers at the United Center who Absolutely. are currently on strike right now because they are, are, are fighting for better wages and they're fighting for uh, better health care. And all the fundamental rights that everybody should have is employee, pension, and so on and so forth. And so if you are at the Big Ten tournament this weekend, you will find out that you cannot get any concessions because these people are not giving pay, getting their, their proper due as workers uh, that, are, that work very hard and deserve to be compensated. So I stand with those people uh, and, and uh, please pay them, take care of them. 
so we can get them back uh, on the front lines and get them back to work. Be you know because I had to put that out there with the Big Ten tournament going on this weekend. There, I know that's been a topic of discussion in Chicago, but staying on brand. Um, I would love for Illinois to make a run. I would love for Northwestern to 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 make a run. It sounds like Chris Collins is going to get a uh, a brand new contract from Northwestern. He's going to stay there for a long time, and it is, it is much deserved. Uh, Purdue looks like a fun team every the year. I think that it'll be really cool if they can kind of get over that hump a little bit and, and get into the Big Ten. But yeah, this is the time of year where I start to pay attention a lot more. I'll be in California in two weeks, which is kind of like the start of the tournament, and uh, be excited to really just kind of kick back and relax and. And really settle in on the tournament. I, I think every year, more and more, we get more parity with this thing, and uh, you just never know who's going to be able to to go out there and extend. We get more, you know, fifteen seeds beating two seeds, and so on and so forth. And so I, I'm excited to see it, and you always get excited to see the stars that are going to be, you know, arising from from this. Because remember, our our two picks in the in the NBA draft this year. Both guys were not going to be in college basketball, right? You got Victor Wimayama. He's out there in Paris right now. He's not in college basketball. And then, then you got uh, you got Scoot uh, Harrison, who's the the outstanding uh, Henderson. Scoot Henderson, excuse me, who's the outstanding guard. He's in the G League right now, and so he's also not in college basketball. So somebody else has to step up here and overtake my spot. You know, I'm you know I'm Team Dick. Grady Dick is my guy from from Kansas. Uh, I would Dick like is. a nice. I would like a Grady Dick run. Um, and also the young man from Alabama. Listen, I don't know what's going on legally with that situation, but I have watched Alabama games this year since that legal situation has broken. And let me tell you, this kid balls his ass off. And something has to be said about somebody who can be as unflappable uh, in that moment. And that shows you he can kind of handle the pressure for the next level. Listen, you are facing some real stuff and, you got some issues and things like that. It, it's, you know, listen, all of a sudden teams will look at that and say, if he gets cleared of all of this, he balled out in the face of, uh, of, of some serious, you know, issues and stuff like that and, and remain cool, calm and collective. That's kind of what a piece of what people want when you go to the professional level. Oh, absolutely. Nothing shuts the critics up quicker than if Brandon Miller can go and lead Alabama to a run and uh, and then project himself further to being a, a top five pick. I echo everything you said. I always root for um, for the Big Ten, certainly. They got Trace Jackson Davis, who's one of the best young players out there. And then we talked about uh, Purdue and, and their seven-footer, Evie, who's up for the Wooden Award. Um, and then there's a lot of outliers, like Gonzaga still there, and still those blue-chip programs could – easily make a run in Duke in Kentucky because of their coaching, because of their talent. Uh, so you always want a little bit of chaos, but it looked like last year too. I mean, you looked at, it was all the blue blood programs. It, it ended up being North Carolina um, and, and then Kansas, you know, the, so you can certainly, if you're filling out a bracket, there's a lot to be said with those uh, stud programs going up there. You might not see a Cinderella seed like Loyola or whatever, but you know, we'll, we'll know that, Dick will make his name known throughout the tournament, I think. Uh, (laughs) Let the name Dick ring loud and clear. Uh, Bulls news, the Lonzo Ball saga just continues to be more and more frustrating as it's apparent he's going to need a third procedure on his knee that would require six months of recovery and rehab. This is on top of his recovery and rehab that's already happening. And I think it was Greg Gabriel who said, what the hell could be wrong with his knee that would require a third surgery? Why is this happening now? Uh, it just seems very bulls at this point. And it may have may have been able to happen to any other franchise, but it seems like it would only only the bulls would only happen here. 
It is. It's, you know, it's very reminiscent. You know, I'm obviously old enough to remember when um, Grant Hill made the leap from the Detroit Pistons to the Orlando Magic and basically missed almost all of his tenure in Orlando with with multiple injuries. He had a bad ankle injury. Um, also, we also remember the Brandon Roy situation. He started off his outstanding career with the Trailblazers and then basically just had a degenerative knee that just kept him out and cut his his career short. So I, I, I certainly feel for Lonzo Ball because I, I do think that he does want to get out there and, and get on the court and can compete. But you're right. This is very bulls. I mean, you know, they they the one of the few free agents they're able to sign and bring in. Of course, this has to happen to them. You know, it's kind of like. You know, this is the same team that got Paul Gasol about two years late and, you know, was was their, the consolation prize for not getting LeBron James and Dwayne Wade and Carlos Boozer. I mean, and, and uh, Chris Bosh was getting Carlos Boozer and, you know, and stuff like that. So th- this is this is very bulls. But, you know, we wish Lonzo nothing but the best. Hopefully he can get back on the court, uh, you know, s- sooner than later. I mean, this this definitely sucks. And, and this basically puts your franchise in a holding pattern because you have, he's $40 million left on this deal and you can't buy him out and he's not going to retire because he's not going to not collect his $40 million. And so they're, they're just, you know, stuck in this position right now. It it really sucks. And, you know, to kind of touch on the whole, you know, uh, United center workers thing, stuff like that. Even through all that, the Bulls, I, I got a, you know, our good buddy Connor, Connor has season tickets to the Bulls. He called me yesterday and, and him and I were chatting and the Bulls are raising season ticket prices next year by 10%. And so now they want $11,000 from him as opposed Just to, to $10,000. It's just like, how can you do that right now? Right. You don't, you're not putting out there a good product. You can't even pay the workers that do the, it's just like, it, it's all, Jerry Reinsdorf needs to go away. That's a whole other podcast, a whole other time. I, I, I've always told you I hate the fact that he owns two of my favorite teams. He 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 lucked out into getting the best basketball player of all time, and I feel like he's been eating off of that for uh, for for like thirty five years now. So it's it's quite a mess. Yes, but I mean, certainly the Lonzo situation has spiraled into you know, affecting the rest of this team and how it's composed. And you thought that he would be this lockdown point guard and and be the answer to to help out with Levine and DeRozan. They'd be a great three headed monster, and then has not happened and it's just insane to me too when when we see this we saw it with the bears for these years too prior to justin fields and even prior to mitchell trubisky where these you blame it on inflation blame or whatever but really what what should happen is the prices should go up if your team's fucking better that's what it should be it doesn't really make sense otherwise uh we know that the bulls still being a mediocre you know 10th in the east type of team still outsell uh, a lot of other arenas. You know, you could go to Milwaukee for a cheaper game or, or certainly Detroit where it's, it's terrible right now. Uh, I was at the game last week against the Suns, And of course it was a sellout crowd more to see Devin Booker and KD than the bulls uh, as they um, put on a good show for about three quarters and then did what they did, did, did what they do. And then they beat the nuggets yesterday and then they can lose to the Pacers this last week. Enough, enough about them. Quick hits Ross yes, talking about, my first point, a staple of childhood from the 90s. Oh, you're going to like this. Uh, could be a staple of the 2020s is everything. They're, we're having like alcoholic Coke and Mountain Dew and shit now. Sunny D. Sunny D, maybe an, an adult beverage. Are you for it? All in. All no. in. All in. Sunny D or Tang, if you want to put a little vodka in there and make like a screwdriver version, I am all in on that. Yes. Yeah. Give it to me. 
hyped up Donald Duck. There you go. <laughs> Jonathan Majors playing Dennis Rodman in the upcoming movie, 48 That's Hours in Vegas. Yo, I can't wait to see the makeup and everything. And Jonathan Majors is just winning. Already we know that he had two movies debut at number one between yep. Creed and, and uh, Quantumania or whatever the fuck. So, man, that's that should be great. I hope you bought your stock in Jonathan Majors a couple years ago, like I did. He was in The Last Black Man uh, in San Francisco. He was also in uh, in The Five Bloods with Spike Lee, and I was like, that guy's gonna be a star. And lo and behold, he's the he's one of the hottest names in the acting right now. So, well deserved for him. Yes, sir. And uh, we love our boy Kid Cudi. Said he's coming out with music this year. His first single is due June first. He said, "quote This is gonna be album of the year." We haven't even scratched the surface on 2023. Yeah. We shall see. We'll see. And touching yeah. on music, I was going to say uh, Snoop Dogg has decided to bring back all of Death Row's music on streaming at midnight tonight. So you can get all that music that they took off, the Chronic album, Doggy Style, all that stuff will be back on your DSPs tonight. Thank God. Look at that. We got Dela, you know, a couple weeks ago, yeah. and now we're getting this. This is exciting stuff. Ross, give me your your Oscars predictions. Uh, I haven't seen a fucking thing. I haven't seen from Top Gun to everything, everywhere, all at once. I want to mm-hmm. see mm-hmm. one of those at least before Sunday. Uh, I think. What did I see? Yeah, none of those. There are there are ten movies nominated. All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar: Way of Water, The Banshees of Sharon, Elvis, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, The Fablemans, Tar. Top Gun, Maverick, Triangle Sadness, Triangle Sadness, excuse me, and Women Talking. I have seen eight out of the ten. Eight. I have two movies left. I have All Quiet on the Western Front, and then I also have um, The Fablemans, which is the uh, Steven Spielberg movie. I'm saving those for this weekend. Um, really quick, most fun I've had was obviously Top Gun, Maverick at the movie theater. Absolutely blast. You probably hear my dogs in the background. They won't shut up right now. Cruz agrees with you. <laughs> yes. My dogs are my, my wife and kid just walked in. Um, Top Gun Maverick, most fun I had at the movie theaters this year. If I were to pick the best movie of the year, I still love The Banshees of Sharon. I think that was my favorite film of the year. If I'm going to predict the winner, though, I think that the Everywhere, Everything, All at Once train is too powerful to stop. And I think that that movie will be the best picture of the year. It's a fun movie. It's my second favorite movie of the year by far. So if you have not seen that movie yet, please go check it out. But Banshees of Sharon is definitely was definitely my favorite movie of the year. There you go. Without having seen anything, it looks like Brendan Fraser winning for The Whale <clears throat> as far as best actor in, in a sort of underwhelming movie, but in his transformation. And, and what a comeback for him. Michelle Yeoh for Everything Everywhere All at Once and Everything Everywhere All at Once wins best picture. Yeah, I wouldn't. So, uh, and, and Cliff, uh, Top Gun Maverick's been on Paramount Plus for like the last three weeks too. So if you have Paramount Plus, go ahead and check it out on there as well. Um, but um, I would not sleep on Colin Farrell getting his first Oscar win ever for Banshees of Sharon. I think that he's a an underdog that that could pull this off. And um, if you haven't seen Tar, and Tar is also nominated for Best Picture, Kate Blanchett just gives a an absolutely uh, just tour de force performance. She plays a fictional female conductor that goes through a little bit of cancel culture. It is a phenomenal film. She's terrific. She has two Oscars already, so she is lining herself up to be the GOAT. She's going to be chasing down the the Meryl Streeps of the world, but I think that she can actually win this Sunday, and if she does, that gives her Oscar number three, and she is in 
she's in rare rare air there in, in, in that territory but tar is awesome if you guys have not watched that as well the only movie i i thought stunk on that list i i elvis is fucking terrible i'm sorry it's yeah. one of the worst three movies hours, I've seen. three plus hours too it's Dang. one of the worst movies i've seen in a long time didn't it's even like terrible. austin butler no it's baz lorman though it's a lot of pop and not a lot of substance yes yes yeah interesting uh all right ross well without further ado yes, let's get to the you know the anniversary of unfortunately biggie's death uh back mm-hmm. on this very day so many years ago in 97 um yeah. very unfortunate but that brought us to this ranking and we know his music has lived on and in such a short catalog it is incredibly hard mm-hmm. for this top five to do five of your favorite biggie songs uh i got too many to mention and you just think about you know not only his solo work and in the limited catalog that he had and while he was active but you think about the stuff with junior mafia you think about flavor in your ear which has some great verses from a lot of your favorite rappers out there Mm -hmm. uh you could make just the top five of ready to die songs his debut Mm -hmm. album which is fantastic in itself three of mine are ready to die so Let's go with, with number five uh, to start. And one of mine, and, and this is outside of commercial appeal or anything. I just, the way this song feels for me is Friend of Mine, which is a yeah. deeper cut. And it's at the end of Ready to Die. The whole album is about establishing Big's persona to me. And the entirety of Ready to Die is just hits. It, it just hits you in the mouth and it's just hit after hit after hit. Um, and just when you thought you'd heard the best, it keeps going you know, the themes and, and painting that picture of Big as the gun toad and the smoky voice, gang banging, the type of guy, the weed, all of that. Just Big made it known he was also a player and like big guys were, were just as sexy as these cut dudes at the time. And and the theme, which was so funny in this, and it was great samples in this. He had uh, Spirit of the Boogie by Cool and the Gang, The Jam by uh, Graham Central Station, and he had a little sample of M-E-T-H-O-D man in that shouts out Wu-Tang, which is just so cool. But it's the theme is, uh, you know, women are just as flirtatious as chasing the opposite sex as men are. The shit talking throughout so great. One, one line is break the fuck out like a rash. I'm glad I ain't spent no cash to hit your nasty ass. It's like just the best as far as the back and forth and the way he stops and starts the flow of those songs. But just awesome funk and soul samples throughout that. That's my number five is friend of mine. I love that song. I love all the deep cuts in that song. Like unbelievable is is yeah, great. Yeah. Everyday struggle, yeah. suicidal thoughts. Right. It's Everyday such a, struggle is, it was between this and everyday struggle. Yeah, uh, I mean, he he really put that like um, introspective rap on the map to me, and kind of be really reflective. And remember, this is a guy who was like in his early twenties doing this. So I, I love that. My number five is also my my favorite music video of his, and it's when. Uh, he was unfortunately passed away and they had to shoot the music video and they got very creative and they had kids play the role of, of Biggie and Puffy and Lil' Kim and everybody and Faith Evans. And that's Sky's the Limit. Uh, Sky's the Limit is absolutely just amazing song. It's got his mom uh, talking at the intro of the song. It goes into 112 on the hook. And it's just such a fun song. It makes you feel great about everything. It's a very uh, fun, uplifting hip hop track. Every time it comes on, you just can never turn it off. Sky's the Limit is my number five. That's great. Number four for me is unbelievable. You were talking about it. DJ Premier on this this crazy beat. Live from Bedford Stuyvesant, the livest one representing BK to the fullest. It's it's incredible. You know how the weed go. Unbelievable. Get ready to die. Tell God I said hi. Throw down some ice for the nicest MC. It feels like you could just 
you know, step into any sort of battle at that point and just crush it with this beat. And, you know, if you want a little background on the song, which is great, is this series from DJ Premier called So What's Up, where mm -hmm. he talks about his work and, you know, it's five, it's five minutes. It's so worth the watch. Basically, he needed a B-side to Juicy. Um, and that was the street answer. This is the street answer to Juicy and unbelievable to the commercial success that Juicy was going to be. And he got his own shit sampled from his own song on this album and the what yeah. and the same album. Like what other artists can do that and put something in, as incredible as unbelievable on there. Um, Big didn't write anything down. He just went in and recorded his vocals over that premiere beat. And uh, that's again, adds to his legacy is just his ability to do that. These guys who it, it's just is so astonishing to see uh, throughout hip hop history. These guys who just, Nope, I'm going to go in. It's all in here. Like I don't need to write anything down. And he did that mm -hmm. on unbelievable the number four. Absolutely. Yeah. My number four comes off of uh, Life After Death, the double disc album. So I got two on there already. Uh, it's Kicking the Door. Kicking the Door is one of those, those those classic street anthems, deep, deep hip hop bass, the lyrics kicking the door, waving the 4-4. All you heard was Papa Don't Hit Me No More. It is absolutely unbelievable track. I love it so much. Yeah, that's a great one. Number three for me, Party and Bullshit. Uh, this yeah. was Who's the Man soundtrack. <laughs> anthem i dude <laughs> i was about to say uh a forgettable movie but a, a pretty good yeah. soundtrack you know pete rock and cl smooth and mm -hmm. mary j blige on that um if you if you look uh, uh, if you've not seen who's the man it is not worth the watch it's about like 50 percent of rotten tomatoes i just know that from <laughs> from the googling hugs from the honeys as much as big's music was you know painting that picture of overcoming his upbringing and struggles and everything it was all, all about partying as well um, you know, it starts so hard and there's these, these next three, I feel like it's the commonality with these last three, I should say, uh, it starts so hard. I was a terrorist in the public school area and just goes in trying to have a good time with your boys. Moet popping, ho hopping, ain't no stopping big pop. I'm a bad boy. It was uh, the, who's the man, you know, soundtrack, as we mentioned in that terrible movie, it was one highlight, but he performed it with Tupac too, like little known fact there when they were still tight. So that was my number three and partying bullshit. Love it. My number three is uh, I, you know, bad boy always they it ushered in that, that smooth party air as we were kind of getting out of that gangster rap air a little bit. And Puffy really brought the, the, the soul samples in, in the eighties remixes and stuff like that. And when the first time I heard One More Chance, I was absolutely blown yeah. away. And One More Chance, you got Faith Evans, you got Mary J. Blige and the hook and stuff like that. I was absolutely blown away. The music video was on constantly. Uh, speaking of who's the man, Ed Lover is in the music video at the beginning, uh, kind of yelling at the body, everybody outside the, uh, the party. But it made me want to go to a house party in Brooklyn. And it made me want to like just walk through Brooklyn and, and see that vibe. It's such a cool video, such a great song. Number one, number three is one more chance for me. Nice. Number two. I got a feeling that uh, our number one and number two should be pretty similar, but who knows? Yeah. We have different rankings here. But number two for me was Hypnotize. And it was released as the single for Life After Death. Uh, it was mm -hmm. the last song he released before his death by the drive-by shooting on this very day. Uh, it's arguably the best start to a Biggie song that fucking Herb Alpert sample came in like the goddamn Kool-Aid man. Oh no. Uh, that Brooklyn bullshit. We on it. The refrain, the refrain alone is legendary. Biggie, Biggie, Biggie. Can't you see? Sometimes your words just hypnotize me again. It's fun. Biggie out here in the video. As you see here, it's such a ridiculous fucking video with him and 
and uh, Puffy on on this boat, and then eventually they get into the the parking garage, and they're going backwards and rapping still, and still going like this. It's uh, hysterical, and it's so fun. And and Big out here just doing uh, his damnedest to. Uh, um, and it was it was interesting when I was reading about the sample for the song too. That uh, I know Herb Alpert was was the artist with that that song Rise that got sampled. He'd been approached by Ice Cube and Eazy E for that same sample, and and he approved. Biggie song when he heard it, he just knew that it was going to be a hit, and it was one of his biggest hits for very good reason. So that's my number two in hypnotize. I love it. My number two is Big Papa. Listen, a, yeah. that Isley Brothers between the sheets sample it has worked in hip hop time and time again. We know Ice Cube just did it. Uh, it did it with uh, with Tay. What Tay was a good day. Fuck you, Logic. Whatever that nonsense was that you dropped the other day with the Ice oh, Cube. Oh, so thing. bad. I, yeah. You can go to hell <laughs> for that. Terrible. But again, this is. This is Puffy and this is Bad Boy going back for another soul sample record and making an absolute classic. I think this is a song that really put Biggie on the map. You know, I, I obviously Juicy, everything you've talked about, but I think when Big Papa came out, everybody's like, oh my God, who is this young kid? And he's just so cool and braggadocious and, and, and really flamboyant. And I love that track so much. Obviously, everybody loves the sample with the, with the Isley Brothers, but Big Papa is my number two. Yeah, as you said, I mean, Jay-Z sampling it and, you know, mm-hmm. we saw Ice Cube doing that. It's it's pretty damn good. So number one, it could be number 1A, 1B. And number one for me is Juicy. And Ross asked the Twitter what Biggie's Purple Rain was today as in what's his biggest hit. And, and to me, it's mm-hmm. Juicy. And you'd likely put Big Papa right up there with 1A, 1B. Mm-hmm. But it's such a great vibe to this song. And it's the rags to riches theme throughout. And just starting off, calling out all the doubters before he jumps into his lyrics. It was all a dream, which we know is just one of his most legendary lyrics and just continues to paint that vivid picture from there. The music video is so fun, as you can see, going over here and just peak big. It just feels like good times, feels like summer. It's just an incredible, incredible song. Yeah, I don't hate that movie, Aldo. It's uh, it's, it's not a perfect movie. It's pretty flawed, but... <laughs> I, yeah, I don't hate it. It's it's hard to make a music biopic in my opinion. I think it was it was good for uh for for what they were able to do. Uh, my number one is Warning. Warning comes off of really? Ready to Die. Yeah, it is my favorite Biggie song of all time. I don't give a fuck about you or your weak crew. What you gonna <laughs> do when Big Papa come for you? It is an absolute. He is yelling in the phone in the video. It's got that Scarface Frank White vibes that you always know he loved. Got a lot of Oh my. God, it's an absolutely <laughs> terrific song. The song's only like two minutes and 20 seconds, but the beat is just so raw and authentic, and his lyrics are just so visceral on the track. I love it so much to this day. That, that album is just the tops, ready to die, just through and through from start to finish. Go and listen to it if you have not. We have ran out of time for this show. Thanks to everybody for chiming in. Thanks to the Barflies. Detroit, you still suck. Thank you, Don Burr, for just- <laughs> We mentioned Detroit for chiming in, and I love the back and forth as we were talking about Biggie's top five. Coming up at 9 o'clock, we have Draft on Tap. Danny and Neil review the combine and discuss players that fit the Bears' offensive and defensive schemes. Remember to follow us on Twitter. Follow me at the Real Evan Mac. Follow Ross at Ross Reed. And like and subscribe on the Barroom Network. All our audio versions are on Spotify, on iTunes, and uh, we'll be on YouTube this time next week, probably previewing March Madness. And we might have a little more of an idea what Ryan Poles is doing with that Bears pick. But for now, everybody be good to each other. Speaking of, of taking care of 
workers out there, if you're going to partying your ass off for St. Patty's Day this, this Saturday, yes. just be Triple careful and see your fucking bartenders because I did that for 10 damn years. And it is a slog. Yes. But for now, you do each other out there. So long, everybody. Thank you.